Beloved by God Church, let us begin our service before the Lord. Let us stand up and confirm the confessions of the faith of our heart, the promise that belongs to the door of our hope. May the resurrection of Christ rule within our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your name for the privilege of being in this place that your hand has appointed for the worshiping of your holy name. And now allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted up to heights that are not reachable for us and destroy all burden and sin that we're bound with. May in this service, as previously, all the works of devil be cursed, illnesses, poverty, untimely death, demonic possession, all matter of fear, destruction, ignorance, error, and all of this may depart from the tents of your holy people. And now stand, O Lord, upon the place of your rest, you and the ark of your might, and may your saints be clothed into your salvation and rejoice before your face. <laughs> Give us more of your Spirit, saturate us with your Holy Spirit, allow us to find your great face. We thank you that the service is presented by Apostle Arkady into your godly hands, and we pray, continue to lead it with a mighty and powerful arm, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May be blessed. Please be seated. I will continue the sermon called To Please God, Hebrews 11.5. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. We together already paid attention to the fact that this unique verse, although it belongs to the examples we have of the heroes of faith that are given, this one specifically stands apart from all the other heroes of faith that are mentioned in this chapter to imitate. Because apart from Enoch, this is the testimony given regarding all the rest of the heroes of faith. These all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embracing them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Hebrews 11.13 Therefore, in the given verse, we see concealed such a collaboration of the faith of man with the faith of God, which in the given words of presented in the revelation of a special promise given by God to man, consisting in the fact that God, after man, had confirmed his justification in growing his methuselah in the form of the perfect man who will achieve the ability to perform justice consisting in the symbol of the age of 300 years, intends to move a person to heaven and bypass death that is placed for us all. Therefore, in the given verse, the faith of man is presented in such obedience to the faith of God where he was called to conquer death in his body, and after received the ability to walk before God, performing righteousness and sanctifying himself for the span of 300 years so that he can please God, and then in this way received the right to the power to be moved to heaven, bypassing death which expects us all. Therefore, the non-birth of Methuselah, but walking before God for 300 years growing our Methuselah is what pleases God. According to the revelation of Scripture, moving to heaven to God, bypassing death expecting us all, is the brightest hope of our trust, which was concealed from 
prior generations and was kept in heaven for those who fear God who live in the last days. Therefore, this unique promise is called to be revealed by God only in the last times. By the obedience of the faith of man to the faith of God presented in Scripture in the preached words of the apostles and prophets called to be the lips of God and is identified in Scripture as the promise of the glorious hope for those who fear God in the last days as the inheritance that is in Christ Jesus, that is incorruptible, undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for them that will be ready to be revealed in the last time. As it is written, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. 1 Peter 1, 3-5 This promise is called to be our primary and honorable goal, which we can inherit exclusively by knowing the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God, which for us is the same truth which we need to know so that according to Christ we can become free from the slavery of sin so that we receive the right to the power to be slaves of righteousness to whom the promise of this hope belongs. It is to these slaves of righteousness it belongs. John eight thirty one thirty two. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believe him, that is who established who are established in him, if you abide in my words, you are my disciples indeed and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. It is in fasting and prayer repentance, clothed into the format of encounters implemented into the midst of the church of saints by leaders who are deceived by the spirits of deception that is called to make us free of sin, but rather knowing the truth contained in the teaching of Jesus Christ, who came in the flesh is what is called to make us free of sin, to clothe us into the royal and holy mantle of students of Christ. Therefore, according to the words of Christ, to move to heaven, bypassing death which expects us all, we need to unite with the truth of the preached to us word into a marital union, consisting to get to know is to become one with or unite with, consisting of faith in a specific promise that is able to be opened to us only by abiding in the preached word or obeying our faith to God's faith in the words of the messengers of God, which makes us true students of Christ or servants of righteousness. It is specifically the unearthly status of a student of Christ is what gives us the ability to know the truth or to make a marital union with the truth. Speaking of this, I want to note that Jesus addressed these words to the Jews who believed in him, that is, those Jews who were established in him and his words, who were established in the fact that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and that the words which he speaks are the truth. And it is only this kind of marriage union with the truth of the Word of God, which we receive in faith into our heart, that was previously already cleansed from dead works, that makes us perfect in Jesus Christ, or free from slavery of governing sin living within our body in the form of the old man with his deeds, and clothes us into an honorable servant of righteousness or a desirable domination of the truth over us, which we have concealed within our heart in the format of the elementary teaching of Christ, which is called to be demonstrated in the fruit of our meek or gentle lips, which according to scripture is the tree of life grown by us in the Eden of our heart.
as it is written, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but pervert perverseness in it breaks the spirit proverbs 15 4 therefore waiting for the salvation of our body by the adoption of christ which is necessary for us to move to heaven bypassing death that expects us all is the goal of our imperishable and unsearchable inheritance in christ jesus which is tightly linked with a series of other oath promises of god which we need to be clothed into into otherwise we will not be allowed to move to heaven and bypass this expecting as death since all these promises including the adoption of our body by the redemption of christ is an integral part of our inheritance in christ jesus due to this it is necessary for us to answer these primary questions question one what do we need to do to receive the right and ability to walk before god so that we can please god and receive a living testimony that we pleased god in the form of our new heavenly body and we already looked at this question by studying the event of Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, and also studied the first component of question two. And so we will be studying now question two. What criteria and characteristics do the scripture provide for the fullness of our incorruptible, undefiled, and unfading inheritance in Christ Jesus, which isn't given to us in the form of a menu in a restaurant where we can choose something and leave something, considering that for every oath promise that is included in our inheritance and the incorruptible and unfading inheritance that is in Jesus Christ, we need to pay a price. Since every promise is given to us exclusively in the format of a seed, which we receive into, into a conscience that is cleansed from dead works, or the soil of our heart, and are called to grow into the fruit of the Spirit, not understanding the fullness of our reward in the format of our incorruptible and undefiled inheritance, we will not be able to place it into our heart in the form of the faith of God, and consequently we will not have the legitimate grounds or ability to walk before God so that we can please God. I will bring forth twelve components of our incorruptible, undefiled, and unfading inheritance, although there are many more of them. First component identifying our incorruptible, und unfading, and undefiled inheritance in Christ Jesus, which we already studied in seven components of our birth from God, is the Lord himself. As it is written, O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The lions have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. Psalm 16, 5, 6. God gives himself as part of the inheritance of his descendants, that is, that category of saints who were born from God or from the seed of the word of truth by listening and obeying the preached word. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of, of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God, John 1, 12, 13. The words received him implies the born to us Methuselah in the fruit of which we received the ability to know the truth in the teaching of Christ, which has freed us from slavery of governing sin, living within our body in the form of the old man with his deeds, and has made us slaves of righteousness able to pay the price for the right and ability to walk before God. Second component identifying our incorruptible, unfading, and undefiled inheritance in Christ Jesus is the tutor to bring us to Christ. In the format of the Law of Moses, in the shadows and symbols of which we see, concealed the commandments of the Lord Jesus Christ in the form of the teaching of Christ. Moses commanded us a law, a heritage of the congregation of Jacob, and he was king in Jeshurun when the leaders of the people were gathered, all the tribes of Israel together. Deuteronomy 33, 4, 5. Someone may say, what is the law 
have to do with anything. We don't need the law. What inheritance? The entire New Testament uh, is in this law. The congregation of Jacob is the congregation of the descendants of Abraham. First, the order of the kingdom of heaven contained in the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh was reflected in the image of the twelve sons of Jacob whose names were written upon the twelve pearly gates of the New Jerusalem on the east three gates, on the north three gates, the south three gates, and west three gates. Having the glory of God, her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Also, she had a great and high wall with twelve gates, and twelve angels at the gates, and names were written upon them, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. Revelation 21, 11-13. You see the inheritance of Jacob, the heritage of Jacob. You could see here the church in the teaching in the order. The three gates located in each of the four directions of the New Jerusalem is the symbol upon which were written names of the patriarchs is the symbol of the teaching of Jesus Christ in the twelve foundational teachings, consisting first of on the north side, the doctrine of the baptisms, consisting of three functions, water, Holy Spirit, and fire. Second, on the south side, <clears throat> the doctrine of laying on of the hands, consisted in three functions, the covenant of blood, covenant of salt, and covenant of peace or rest. Third, on the west side, the doctrine of the resurrection of the dead, consisted in three functions, birth of, from water, birth from the Spirit, and birth to the throne. And fourth, the east side in its three functions, the doctrine of the eternal judgment consisting in the good, acceptable, and perfect wills of God. Hebrews 6, 1-2 through 2. Therefore, being clothed into the elementary teaching of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptism, laying on of the hands, resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. Therefore, the New Covenant is the interpretation of the symbols and shadows of the Old Testament in its events, instructions, and statutes, which concealed within itself the mystery of godliness and was a guide to Christ. That I have a great sorrow, Apostle Paul writes, and continual grief in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen according to the flesh, the Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption, the glory of, co of the covenants, the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises of whom are the fathers and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all the eternally blessed God. Amen. But it is not that the word of God has taken no effect, for they are not all Israel who are of Israel, nor are they all children because they are of the seed of Abraham. But in Isaac your seed shall be called. <clears throat> this is those who are the children of the flesh, those are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. Romans 9, 2-8 God has made Abraham the father of many nations, that is, all who believe in the one whom God has sent as the Savior of, this, of his people, whom he foreknew and predestined for salvation. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit you shall bring for she, she shall bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins Matthew 1 20 through 21 I want people that are have these doctorate of, of theology and other carnal people who consider themselves intelligent thinking that he loved the whole world and loves the whole world and died for the whole world no it says he shall save his people from their sins 
His people is not the whole world as it is being stated by homegrown ignorant men with certificates of study, but rather people born from the seed of the word of truth from every nation, language, tribe, and people whom God has made in Christ Jesus kings and priests to God. Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify. It doesn't say for the world, but for his church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish, Ephesians 5, 25 through 27. The church of Jesus Christ consists of everyone who believes living in this world, regardless of their language, nation, and tribe, as it is written. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, this is not the accurate translation, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, John 3, 14 through 16. 3, 14 through 16. The original translation of the th 16th verse sounds like this, For God so loved everyone who believes in this world that he gave his only begotten Son, so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is how you need to understand this place of scripture. Otherwise, it is contradicting other places. Whoever believes is whoever listens to the preached word and receives this word and obeys this word. Third component identifying our incorruptible, unfading, and undefiled inheritance in Christ Jesus is the land of promise in the form of the glorious promise of the adoption of our earthly body by the redemption of Christ. Deuteronomy 1.8 See, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to them and their descendants after them. According to, the, to Scripture, we are called to go in and possess the blessing of Abraham in the form of the promised land through Christ Jesus. It is specifically through Christ Jesus that we become descendants of Abraham. Galatians 3.13.14 Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. It is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Galatians 3.13.14 The phrase, Go in and possess the land, implies our voluntary and reasonable acts, which consist of us receiving the promise of the imperishable body, not looking at the currently corrupt or perishable state of our physical body, and further look at and thank God for our imperishable body in Christ Jesus as already existent in the physical. Because 20 centuries ago, our bodies were already redeemed by Christ from the power of corruption upon the condition that we acknowledge that unquestionable factor of who we are in Christ Jesus and what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, and what we need to do to go in and possess the promised land in the format of our adopted body by the redemption of Christ. The inheritance of the promised land is quite an exhaustive and laborious process, consisting of systemic conquering of all Canaanite Gentile cities contained within the territory of the promised land. Equally, the inheritance of your earthly body so that you can make its members slaves of righteousness and erect the kingdom of heaven within your body is an exhaustive and laborious process 
As we know, the inheritance is already in the heart, but this is talking about the body is an exhaustive and laborious process demanding the utilization of all of our strength and abilities. Luke 16, 16, the law and the prophets were until John since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is pressing into it. These are the direct words of Christ. And so those who continually think that grace is just something free as a gift and, and, and everything's done. No, if you, utilize, if you don't utilize your strength because you received a seed, you received salvation and a seed as a guarantee, as a promise, but you don't, you don't have it yet. You need to produce it in, fr- into, in fruit, from seed to fruit, as a fruit of salvation. And so if your children are dying and you say that my children are saved because I'm saved, I recently on the telephone was speaking to one person and his son was shot because he wanted to go kill and how do you calm him down and and so unfortunately it says the one that takes up the sword will be killed by the sword and so uh, she was stating that he's saved because I'm saved. And I said, well, you you received salvation in the form of a seed. You did not save your soul or body yet. You will lose it if you don't do the work. And so our children are saved because of the fruit of salvation we have, not the seed of salvation we received. Fourth component identifying our incorruptible, unfading, and undefiled inheritance in Christ Jesus is the chosen by God remnant in the form of the body of Christ in the form of our local church upon the condition that our church in its infrastructure and its unearthly order corresponds to the demands of a good wife. And so we need to pay an appropriate price for our church so that we can be partakers of this church. And and as stated, in its infrastructure, in its unearthly order, it needs to correspond to the demands of a good wife who possesses the characteristics of the narrow gate, which are the order and wisdom of the kingdom of heaven. Second Samuel 21.3, Therefore David said to the Gibbonites, What shall I do for you, and what, with what shall I make atonement, that you may bless the inheritance of the Lord? The saints that gather in local churches are the inheritance of the Lord if they correspond to the order of the kingdom of heaven. The inner infrastructure of the church uh, is not democratic, it's theocratic. If it's democratic, then it is not a church It that corresponds to God's order. We conclude that our inheritance in Christ Jesus is an organic membership to the body of Christ in the form of our church. The result of partaking to your church, identified as part of our inheritance in Christ Jesus, is justification in the form of the born by us Methuselah, which we have received in our church freely according to grace by faith in Christ Jesus, in the form of the wi- of the woman who suffered with bleeding. Who touched the edge of the garments of Jesus, who symbolizes our justification and so when we receive justification when we touch Jesus we we bore our Methuselah because their death was driven away because Methuselah is justification he drives away death and so justification is cleansing yourself of sin 
So God remembered his people and justified his inheritance, Esther 10.12. The verb remembered eloquently speaks of the remembrance of the name of the Lord, which is the church of Jesus Christ, in the form of our local church, where we are called to build ourselves into a house of God, to bring spiritual sacrifices by Jesus Christ. Let us remember that the remembrance of the name of the Lord is Jesus Christ, the body of Christ. The Lord places remembrance in, in His body, in His Son, and the Church of Christ is, his, is the remembrance. And so to bring offerings and to receive justification is only possible where, he, where God has placed a remembrance for His name. Fifth component, identifying our incorruptible, unfading, and undefiled inheritance in Jesus Christ is the heritage of the nations. Psalm 111.6 He has declared his people the power of his works in giving, I, in giving them the heritage of the nations. The heritage of the nations was the land of Canaan ser- serving as a symbol of our body which is under the control of our lusts which belong to our corrupt desires. And when we, with our faith, obeying the faith of God and began to count ourselves dead to sin and living for God, God gave us the heritage of our nations which are our bodies that are in control of our lusts in the form of our corrupt desires to the control of our renewed mind. And in this way, we became possessors of the members of our mortal body which were which were given by us as slaves of righteousness in the form of our heritage because it is not our perishable body but our but our control over the members of our body is what is part of the imperishable inheritance Romans 6:17 through 19 but God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin yet you obeyed from the heart that from that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. Only those saints who have given the members of their earthly body as slaves of righteousness will be clothed into the imperishable bodies, which will be our testimony that at the last trumpet of God and trumpet of the archangel, we will be raptured to the Lord on the clouds. Those people, members of the body, whose members of the body are not slaves of righteousness, they uh, go to church in vain and hell is prepared for such people because if God gave us a guarantee he wants this guarantee to be invested turned so that we can profit uh, it, this seed needs to be planted so that we can grow it with many sorrows into fruits of righteousness we will not be able to give members of our body as uh, slaves of righteousness Sixth component, identifying our incorruptible, unfading, and undefiled inheritance in Christ Jesus is the unique inheritance belonging to those who fear the name of the Lord. Psalm 61, 4, 5. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. The heritage of those who fear God is the book of remembrance. 
which is being written before the face of the Lord about those who fear the Lord, who will be God's personal possession and the element of his mercy, by which we will be able to see the difference between those who serve God and those who don't serve him. Here it's talking about giving your tithes, those who honor God with their tithes and those who do not honor God with their tithes, between those who uh, invest in the church and those who just try to take from the church. For some reason today, there are some opinions that the church is obligated to subsidize them uh, when they wanted to find out uh, that uh, we wanted to build a couple of places for uh, for guests to be able to stay, uh, thus uh, people began assuming that they'll be able to live there. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate in his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I make them my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. Then you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. Malachi three, sixteen through 18 The symbol of the writing in writings into the book of remembrance implies our mutual connect <clears throat> our mutually connected uh, relationships with one another this writing <clears throat> is our relationship with one another our mutual connection with one another in the church of Christ by the means of which we graft ourselves to the body of Christ Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors, and some teachers for the keeping of the saints of the work of ministry for the edification of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God to, to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we should no longer be children tossed to and from, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of, trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth and love may grow up in all things into him who is head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effect of working, by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. It turns out that our relationships with one another when we serve one another when we are considerate of one another, forgive one another, this makes us one in Christ Jesus. It connects us to the body of Christ. Every one of us can serve one another with good, which we have received by the many forms of God's grace. This means that we are called to not use one another for personal gain or selfish purposes. And for this, I repeat again, we need to not take from the church, but rather contribute to the church. When we're trying to use our fellowship to be able to gain something, to get some kind of benefit from another person, then we try to, in this way, we try to take from the church because they're part of it, the church. And if we in some way are trying to, because of our relationship with, with the people, to take from them, we are greatly uh, mistaking in this way. We need to remember this well. Seventh component, identifying our incorruptible, unfading, and undefiled inheritance in Christ Jesus is the revelation of the Holy Spirit, revealing to us the mystery of the truth that is in our heart. Psalm 119, 113. Your testimony I have taken as a heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes forever to the very end. I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. 
heritage in the format of the revelations of the Holy Spirit in the form of the Urim can only find its haven in a heart that is built into a temple of the Lord and who consistently has fresh unleavened breads in the form of the Thummim upon his gold table. If you remember, in the first part of the sermon, uh, every one who believes in him, who comes to God, he's not a temple. He, he is first a leader of the synagogue. The Jews believed in being born from God, and so the main purpose of Judaism, they believed they're the children of God. Sadducees did not believe in this, and so they... <clears throat> and and so there were sometimes even arguments, conflicts that were bloody between the, the Pharisees and Sadducees. The result that we receive the revelation of the Holy Spirit into our heart is wisdom to understand the truth which we have previously placed into our heart, although we did not yet understand it. Psalm 51.6, Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden parts you will make me to know wisdom. First, wisdom demonstrated in our, in our heart is the result of the fact that we receive the Holy Spirit as the spirit of adoption. And second, is the result of the fact that we are led by the Holy Spirit who testifies together with our spirit that we are the children of God in the status of the heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Romans eight fourteen. Uh, through 17. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, those are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again for fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Being led by the Holy Spirit is a strong thirst to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit in the preached word of the messengers of God and to follow the direction of the herd by us word. Eighth, component identifying an incorruptible and fading and undefiled inheritance in Christ Jesus is the fruit of our womb in the form of the fruit of our spirit grown by us from the seed of the preached to us word of truth. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward like arrows in the hand of a, of a warrior. So are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Psalm 127, 3 through 5. The fruit of our womb is the fruit of our spirit, which is a part of our incorruptible and undefiled inheritance called to stand guard of our gates or our lips. Because our gates are our lips. Therefore, the symbol of the quiver in which you can place arrows in the form of the fruit of our spirit implies our pure heart cleansed from dead works. This is our quiver. The symbol of the arrows that you put in the quiver is the fruit of our spirit grown by us from the seed of the wor- of the kingdom of heaven, received by us by the preached word of the person whom God has made his own lips and clothed into his delegated father fruit of the spirit grown by us from the seed of the word of truth is our mutual collaboration with the truth of the truth that is in the heart with the holy spirit revealing the truth in the heart by the preached word of his messengers this is specifically why david prayed set a guard o lord over my mouth keep watch over the door of my lips do not incline my heart to any evil thing to practice wicked works with men who work iniquity and do not let me eat of their de- delicacies psalm 141 3 4 the result of such prayer were precisely the children of his youth in the form of the fruit of his spirit demonstrated in the confessions of his gentle mouth disciplined by the truth and dissolved by the heart 
if we will not confess the truth of our heart or who God is for us in Christ Jesus and what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, we will not be able to fill our quiver with arrows who in the form of the sons of our youth will stand guard at the gate of our lips. Confessing the faith of God contained within our heart is precisely a part of our incorruptible and undefiled inheritance in Jesus Christ in the form of the sons of our youth standing guard at the door of our lips so that we would not accidentally state some kind of unclean and carnal thought and desire because while we have not expressed our thoughts and desires into words, they remain our slaves. But as soon as we state them in words, they immediately are clothed into our masters. We need to remember it is easier to deal with your slaves than it is to deal with your masters. With this said, we need to consider that apart from the thoughts and desires of the flesh, there will be predatory birds attempting to intercept your thoughts as well, which did not come from you although they will try and convince you that you are the product or that they are a product of your own or your own creation. And if you speak them, then they will immediately transform from predatory birds who weave a nest over your head into criminals who will mime you and will inflict heavy wounds upon you. Predatory birds are often prophetic dreams, which in essence are not revelations, but divination. And as soon as you accept them, you open your essence to demonic deception. And so they sometimes can seem correct, but they're divination, not revelation. And you, in this way, open your essence to demonic deception when you receive them. Many dreamers are people that are inspired by demonic uh, deception because uh, it could have been something said in advance and it happened uh, and it was something that he, he he said ahead of time, but it wasn't something from God that was revealed. If God gives dreams, he gives it to the leaders, and he gives such dreams that reveal the truth and not reveal the sins that a person may have. As one person who had left our church already, he said, I knew ahead of time, I had a dream, how body was walking around uh, the church and trying to light it up, light it on fire, and I told him, you're a candidate to follow after body because uh, uh, this is not the Holy Spirit who, re- who revealed this to you. And he said, no, it was the Holy Spirit. And uh, he left the church because I did not receive other dreams that he was having as well. And he went to listen to someone else who is a thief, one who actually steals my sermons and preaches them from his own, uh, with his own voice. He mixes them. This, this is a professional thief. Uh, there are not many of them, but this, you have to be a very good professional to be able to take a prophet, uh, revelations uh, of a prophet, and mix them with the with the products of your own intellect and try to produce them as your own. And hell is waiting for such people, and those who follow them also will will go the same way. And so, predatory birds are often prophetic dreams which in essence are not revelations but divination and as soon as you accept them you open your essence to demonic deception may god give you wisdom to never tell dreams that are in your opinion 
either good or bad, not about yourself or about others, because God will never reveal to you the problems that are in other people. For this purpose, God has apostles and prophets. Never attempt to take the responsibility upon yourself, because this is a great evil in the eyes of God. Ninth component, identifying our incorruptible, unfading, and undefiled inheritance in Christ Jesus is the ability to ability given by God to our tongue to condemn every tongue that rises against us in judgment. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord, Isaiah 54, 17. According to the essence of the given inheritance, rising against you in judgment consists of both inner enemies in carnal thoughts coming from the entrails of our old man with his deeds, as well as enemies outside of us in the words spoken by carnal men who are not able to understand or receive the truth. They will contest or challenge our justification, which we have received freely by faith in Christ Jesus, and will attempt to turn our our sights not on what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, but on what we should be doing in their own personal opinion to justify ourselves before God in the plan of evangelizing and good deeds coming from our flesh. Our victory will consist in the fact that our enemies will attempt to receive justification because of their good deeds coming from their flesh. At the same time, we, contrary to them, will look at what God has done for us in Jesus Christ and the plan of our justification, due to which we receive the opportunity to perform righteousness. As it is written, He who is unjust, let him be unjust still, because the unjust cannot do just works. He can evangelize, do good works, he can give his body to be burned, whatever he may do. If he is not righteous, he he will continually to, to continue to do unjust and unrighteous things. And so if he <clears throat> if a person is doing deeds that in his opinion seem good, then you will be looked at as a criminal in God's eyes uh, in this essence spiritually. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. One who is filthy, trying to sanctify himself, he will continue to stay filthy because when they uh, have these encounters, they continue to uh, defile themselves. They don't become pure. Because sanctification is a great act that is given to us and you need to know how to do it. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. So only the righteous can be righteous still. And he who is holy, let him be holy still. Only the holy can be holy still. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give everyone according to his works. Revelations 22, 11, and 12. How can we sanctify ourselves? You are born from a holy God. Now you can sanctify ourselves because you're holy. You need to be taught how to sanctify yourself. To sanctify is to separate yourself from what is sin. Today, sin is implemented in the churches, legalized, and not considered to be sin. But you continue to separate yourself from all of these drunkards, uh, deceivers, those who do not love good, those who jealous are jealous of everyone and everything. 
We conclude that however much good a person does according to their opinion to justify themselves before God, God will consider him unclean as he exchanges the works of God for his own works and all his so-called good works will be defined as unrighteousness and filth. At the same time, the works of a righteous person who in their time received justification freely by faith in Christ Jesus and doing so bore their Methuselah because he received justification and he bore his Methuselah will be considered by God as righteousness because it is not possible to perform righteousness being wicked, exchanging the works of God with your own personal works. We will remember that all negative thoughts that visit us are our slaves and to rule over us to our peril <clears throat> and so again if we're not ruling over them but the rule over, over us to our peril they need to be confessed with our mouth <clears throat> and so they can rule over us again when we confess them with our mouth and to receive control over us in our words to our own peril and therefore never and not to anyone reveal under any circumstances any evil and unclean thoughts in your in your words so they receive control over you to your peril especially that many thoughts that visit us absolutely are not from you but come to you from hell represented by your old man living within your body whom you have genetically inherited in the sinful seed of your fathers in the flesh who in the form of spirit of deception will try to convince you that you produce them and that they are your own. This is very important to understand. Whatever we may feel, uh, dirty thoughts may come. Imagine the bad thoughts that came into Abraham's mind, these birds that were over his head that he was fighting and he was trying to chase away. And so... Fight them as Abraham did. You cannot forbid unclean birds from flying over your head, but you can forbid them from weaving a, a nest upon your head if you allow Jesus to rest in your head by the means of spiritual thoughts or thinking. Spiritual thinking consists in who we are to Jesus Christ and what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. This is the unique and crushing method to not allow unclean thoughts to weave a nest in your head. However, good thoughts which you have received by listening to the preached word or preached uh, to a seed of the word of truth, you need to immediately confess so that they, in the form of your young sons, can guard the gate of your mouth from confessing wicked thoughts. <clears throat> Today, there are many leaders who do not comprehend this truth and call saints to confess wicked thoughts and in this way behave as criminals upon the road from Jerusalem to Jericho and steal and kill all of those who strive to receive justification in Jericho, the city of palm trees. Run from such leaders and unfortunate instructors as fast and as far as you can. Do not reveal your thoughts to them which can disturb you and condemn you. Remember, God does not account them to you as sin until you speak these thoughts as the fruit of your lips. Proclaim your justification which you have received freely by grace, by faith in Christ Jesus, and glorify and thank God for this unique gift of grace, and then every tongue attempting to condemn you will experience a crushing defeat. <laughs> Tenth component identifying our incorruptible, unfading, and undefiled inheritance in Christ Jesus is the heritage of Jacob. Isaiah 58, 13, 14. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and shall honor him, 
not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasures, nor speaking your own words, then you shall delight yourself in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Isaiah 58, 13, 14. The heritage of Jacob is upon the high hills of the earth, which are the oath promises of God, and receiving a portion of this incorruptible and undefiled inheritance is directly linked to how we treat the Sabbath, symbolizing our church. And Sabbath is the church. God called His church the Sabbath. And so every church, if it has God's infrastructure, the order of the kingdom of heaven, and not democratic, then it is that high hill where the Lord has keeps His promises. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more, as you see the day approaching, for we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth. If we if we sin willfully, no longer there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much more punishment do you suppose? Will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insults the Spirit of grace? Hebrews 10, 25-29 We need to finally comprehend that leaving your church is comparable to dishonoring the holiness of the Lord, consisted in the blood of the covenant and insulting the Holy Spirit, which in the given place of Scripture is compared to blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. The Scriptures say that any sin that a person repents for is forgiven him, but insulting the Holy Spirit, which in the given place of Scripture is equal to blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, will not be forgiven in this age or the age to come, as it is written, He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. Therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven men. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him either in this age or in the age to come. Matthew twelve thirty through 32 Therefore the heritage of Jacob that is upon the high hills of the earth in the form of the oath promises of God belongs exclusively to those saints who do not insult the Holy Spirit with their unrighteous behavior toward their church and are led by the Holy Spirit. Eleventh component identifying our incorruptible, unfading, and undefiled inheritance in Christ Jesus is eternal life with all that comes with that or the inheritance with all who are sanctified. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Acts 20.32 Sanctified are people who have separated themselves from their nation, the house of their father, and their life according to the flesh. To serve God, a life according to the flesh will always place its hope upon earthly wealth. Therefore, to separate yourself from a life according to the flesh is to separate yourself from trust upon earthly wealth. Otherwise, inheriting the inheritance with all of the sanctified in the form of eternal life will be impossible. This is well seen in one of the dialogues of Christ with a person whom Christ loved, but who became sad after hearing Christ's response to his question which he had asked him. Now, as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may 
inherit eternal life. So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. He has kept all from his youth. Then Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said to him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor. And you will have, he saw in that the heart of this person is, is connected to wealth. He, it's dependent upon his wealth. And so he said, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? It turns out that wealth is not a bad thing to have, but you don't need to trust in it. Many people who do do not have wealth do still trust in it. And there are people who have great wealth and do not trust in this wealth. David, he possessed a lot of wealth. He, there was, at that moment, there was no wealthier person than David. And he said, I am poor and lowly in heart. He, all that he, uh, he would, he would uh, dedicate to the building of the temple and the word of God he was receiving, he understood to be more important uh, than the treasures he had. Hope and dependence on earthly wealth cannot coexist with the desire to inherit eternal life in the form of the kingdom of heaven. And I repeat this again, and I will continue to, that whatever our hope is in the form of earthly wealth, which we have placed ourselves in dependence of, is our worship and our God. Twelfth component identifying our incorruptible, unfading, and undefiled inheritance in Christ Jesus is the promise consisting in the image of our imperishable body into which we will be clothed before we will be raptured upon the clouds and meet the Lord in the air. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as in the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the, of the man of dust, we shall bore, also bear the image of the heavenly man. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does not corruptible inherit incorruption. 1 Corinthians 15:47 through 50. The time of confessing this promise will happen at the sound of the final trumpet. However, if this promise included in our incorruptible and undefiled inheritance will not be grown by us from the seed that we placed into our pure heart, in the form into into fruit from the seed to fruit then we will lose it mm. and as you notice in the parable he gave that there were a lot of seeds uh, sown uh, and many at the side of the road and the birds came and ate them and so you're sowing in the place that is not uh, proper for it where birds can eat the seed some who sowed on the stone obviously will lose as well the soil needs to be prepared <laughs> and so when you uh, prepare the soil of your heart you can then sow seed in it you receive justification in the form of a seed as a guarantee and this justification needs to be confirmed 
we saw this uh, in the beginning in the synagogue and and Jairus where he he represents our mind he had a daughter 12 years old and a woman who was bleeding for 12 years uh, 12 means that he had the seed but for some reason that one was sick and this one was dying because the seed needs to die and after she dies and because of the death resurrection will come Methuselah will come and here he received his Methuselah behold I tell you a mystery we shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkle of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality so when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory O death where is your sting O Hades where is your victory and of course all of this happens with many sorrows the, there are many sorrows that the righteous may have, but the Lord will deliver you from all of them. For the seed to die, there will be many sorrows, and you will need to be able to wait and be patient. And when you're patient and you rejoice in this patience and you proclaim who you are in Jesus Christ and what he has done for us and thank God for our new bodies, then absolutely Methuselah will be born, resurrection will come, and this justification will be confirmed and then the Lord will bless you. The Lord will bless you. May He bless you in listening and fulfilling this word, and may He put it into your heart, and may He open up your heart more and more. Amen. Dear friends, uh, allow me to thank Apostle Arkady for the word and revelation that we have had the opportunity to hear, the privilege to hear about our in, our imperishable in, uh, treasure, and we see that part of this treasure we already have, and part of this treasure. We will. We can receive soon if we collaborate our faith with the faith of God. <clears throat> and before we take part in this communion, I want to, according to what we've heard, uh, call everybody up to the front who want to confirm their justification, because confirmation of your justification means to receive justification according to God's conditions and keeping this justification. Receiving justification upon God's conditions is to agree with what God has done for us and not try to earn or do something to receive justification. And as we see, there's a particular price, and the price is not to do something for God or to somehow earn it, but the price is with your deeds, not try to achieve salvation. It is to uh, not allow your flesh to reveal itself in any way to receive justification freely in the redemption of Jesus Christ and, and work to keep it. When you receive justification freely upon God's conditions, when we keep it, then we will be able to confirm it. And we confirm it when we take uh, touch the edge of uh, the hems of his garment. The hem is here. The place where he, where the Lord speaks, when we come to the front, we confess our sins, we touch the hem of the garments of Jesus Christ. And so right now we will wait for you here at the front. Anyone who would like to receive and to keep and to confirm their justification in Jesus Christ. We wait for you here at the altar. May you be blessed.
I'm going to be praying our prayer, and I ask you to deeply believe that the Lord is on your side. He's not against you. He has loved us with an eternal love. He has given us the work of His redemption. He has stood between us and our enemies to protect us and to lift us up to His level. Close your eyes. This is your secret room. Lift your hands to heaven. This is a sign that your hands are without wrath or doubt. Pray together with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you, and upon this holy place, in the church of your holy nation, I open my heart so that you may see my pain, my suffering, my wounds inflicted by sin and lust, which I hate and that I reject. I come to you, with my dependence, with sin that I'm bound with, illnesses, fears, a pampered dignity, and dishonor. I come to you. Forgive me. Wash me. Cleanse me. Heal my wounds. And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed. I am cleansed. I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven, and your trespasses, in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May He look upon you with a bright face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they will not touch you. May upon you the blessings of the ancient mountains and everlasting hills be. May with noise the stronghold of death be thrusted out of your body, and in its place the stronghold of life be erected. May all this be upon you and upon God's children, and the nation shall say, Amen.
Let us hear the word of God standing. The book of of Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 11, 23-32. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Please be seated. I would like to say again and repeat after our pastor before every communion service that and talk about who has the right to participate. Those who have the right to be to be called or call themselves partakers of the body of Jesus Christ and this is by faith and not just only by faith but faith that has been confirmed in the baptism of water because that certificate that does not have a seal is not a true certificate in this world as well as in God's eyes and so faith is demonstrated in having the seal of God which is in baptism and the seal that is placed is when we're baptized in water. The Lord places this wonderful seal, the holiness of the Lord. <clears throat> and now he will protect us. Now he will stand on our side. And we need to stand on his side, the side of his holiness, keeping and his justification so we be confirmed in our salvation. I will ask everyone to stand and we together will pray for the bread. Stretch out your right hand as a symbol before God and pray together with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the broken body of Jesus Christ in the form of this bread when it will be passing by your people and we will take of it and eat of it. May the might of life come into us and conquer death and drive it away from within our bodies. May our bodies be healed by eating this bread. We thank you for the healing of our body and for the healing of the body of your saints, and we worship for you, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. And he t- took bread, he broke it, and said, Take, eat, this is, m- this is my body, which is broken for you. Please be seated. The road that is approached, please stand and serve one another. And while we're partaking, 
Let us remember some of the revelations that we heard about today. The scripture that talks about us moving to heaven so that we can bypass death that expects us all. Apostle Arkady says, and the word of God says, that this is a great hope for us that has been concealed for generations and has been kept for those who fear God in the last days. And so this is a unique promise that is called to be revealed by God only in the last days by obeying our faith to God's faith. The faith of man is such obedience to God's faith where he is called to overcome in his body death so he can receive the ability to walk before God performing righteousness and sanctifying himself for 300 years as Enoch did. And in this way receive the right to the power to be moved to heaven and bypassing death that awaits all of us. And so we have this calling to overcome within our bodies death so that we can have the inheritance that has been presented to us in these 12 components. And if we shortly want to remember, the first component is the Lord himself. The Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup, it says. Here, we see who we're born from, and this is a great privilege to call God our Heavenly Father, because we were born from Him. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till He comes. And we will proclaim not just His death, but also His resurrection for our justification and that we have the right to be born from Him. And so that first component is, again, the Lord himself. He is our inheritance. The second is the law of Moses. But the law of Moses in the shadows and symbols of which we see concealed the commands of the Lord Jesus Christ in the form of the teaching of Christ. This law of Moses that contains grace. That contains grace. The scriptures say that Uh, Moses commanded a law for us, a heritage of the congregation of Jacob. And it's only for the sons of Jacob. And who is the congregation of Jacob? The children of Abraham. And these are not just uh, people uh, that have faith, like an, an abstract faith. You need to be a part of the congregation of Jacob. And you need to be a part of the 12 foundations upon which are written the apostles uh, and also the walls that have the 12 pearly gates and upon them are written the 12 names by which we then come in and have the right to the inheritance the inheritance of Jacob 
this heritage of Jacob. And so again, the commands, uh, the, the law that is through Moses, <clears throat> it has grace, but only for the sons of, of Jacob. And it is with these foundations, with these pearly gates, and the 12 fruits of the tree of life that produce fruit each month. And we have the privilege to have an organic membership to such a congregation, to the sons of Jacob, because of the preached word, because of the truth that the Lord has given to us. I will ask all all of us to stand and we will pray for the cup of the new covenant. And so when he was, it's the promised land that was promised by God. And so receiving this inheritance of the promised land, as it says, say, I've set the land before you go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. Again, the third component being uh, the promised land, and God gives it to us, this land, and he gives it to us in the form of the preach, format of the preached word. The fourth inheritance is the chosen by God remnant. We need to have an organic membership to this body. The fifth is the inheritance of the nations. As it says, the heritage of the nations and so those who within the body, uh, the resurrection of Christ cannot be, cannot rule until we take the heritage of the of the nations this is when we give the members of our mortal body as slaves of righteousness which will allow god then to clothe us into his incorruption if we cannot give the members of our body as as slaves of righteousness uh our mortal body that has the law of sin and death if we can't take the gentiles as slaves then we the resurrection of christ will not be able to rule in our bodies first often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Further, this inheritance belongs to those who fear him. Seventh, this 
inheritance is the revelation of the Holy Spirit that reveals the mysteries of the truth in our heart. We already have this Urim and Thummim. This is one of the imperishable, incorruptible, and fading, undefiled inheritance that we have in Christ Jesus. Eighth, this inheritance is the fruit of our womb. This is the fruit of our spirit that is grown by us from the seed of the preached to us word. And pastor said, until we demonstrated our thoughts and our, our, our thoughts and our into words, then uh, they're, they're not our masters. They become our masters once we express them into words. And so he says, it's easier to deal with your slaves than your masters. So as long as you have not expressed your unbelief or thoughts that may come, bad thoughts in your mind uh, or needs, and don't state that nothing is working for me. Our needs need to be expressed in tongues because if we speak of our weak sides and our needs before God, uh, the devil will know where to hit you if you're speaking them in your regular tongue. Uh, when, you say, when you're weak, you need to say you're strong in Jesus Christ. And so then you pray in tongues, uh, you express this, uh, that you're strong, and you pray in tongues, Lord, allow me in this area to overcome the enemy. Never say, it doesn't work. I sin again, I'm sick again, I'm getting old again, or saying these kinds of things. Uh, because you give place to the enemy by your unrighteous confessions. The next is God gives our tongue the ability to condemn every tongue that rises against us in judgment. And so it's necessary to immediately confess every good thought that comes from the preached word and every evil thought never confess. God does not account us this to us as sin until we actually express it in words. And so as we hear that the birds can fly over our head and try to weave a nest, and if we try to and we state these words then uh, don't allow these evil thoughts uh, to weave a nest on your head and never confess any negativity as soon as you ex- confess any negativity then that means you need to repent while they're in your thoughts you fight them and you overcome them tenth imperishable inheritance is the heritage of Jacob eleventh is is eternal life with all that that comes with it the inheritance with all who are sanctified and we die for our nation the house of our father and our corrupt desires and the twelfth is the inheritance of our the promise of our body which will be clothed into our new body before we will be raptured to meet the Lord in the air <clears throat> this was the wonderful imperishable inheritance that we have the Lord prepared for the last days and we see that part of this promise the Lord has allowed us to already have today and even those who had died in the faith having not re- having not received the entire promise they received parts of it and that's and the adoption of our mortal body when our bodies this final uh, work that the Lord wants to complete our body being transformed into a heavenly body 
they only saw this once uh, in Enoch. The angels saw this once where the earthly body became a perfect body, a heavenly body. And they also want to see that with us where this mortal body can be clothed into the glory of the holy Yahweh. And so we will thank God for what we have for the revelations and bless his holy name. And before we finish our service, we have a request. I will ask Igor to come out if he's here. Rechlin. He, for specific reasons, was absent for some time from the church and his membership was uh, pretty much expired in a sense. And he came a few months ago and he asked to be renewed in his membership. And I talked to Apostle Arkady and he said, we have an order three to six months. A person needs to attend uh, and show faithfulness that they want to unite with Zion, unite with the truth. The truth needs to be heard well for a, a long period of time. And three to six months is enough. And when a person makes a good decision, he still wants to become a member, uh, this person can be received. I've spoken with him. I've received his confession. And one of the things he repented in is that he communicated with people that he should not have. He said, I never supported them. It just that I communicated with them the way we would go and do things together. Uh, people who left this church and he said, I condemn this act and I will not allow myself to do this to uh, to have fellowship with corrupt company. And, uh, and that the Lord will give us enough boldness to be able to confront people who cast shadows on the church. And so pastor has uh, approved uh, accepting him as our member and let us stand up and do ver- the very this very thing. Let us stretch our right hand and bless him. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for this person who has expressed his desire to become a member of the body. He wants to be an organic member of your church to unite with Zion, to unite with your truth. And so, according to your word in the power of the Holy Spirit, being upon this holy place, we receive him and we bless him. May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with his great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May upon you, the ancient mountains and everlasting hills, the blessings come. May upon you and your children these things happen in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Welcome back. And as we can see, people are still hearing the call today to come out of Babylon, to run from it. And we see the word of God is working, maybe not in the ways that we might expect, but it is working. Let us finish with our manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever Amen